0: Repodcasting is part of the Alberta Podcast Network. Locally grown, community supported. Have you ever watched a movie and wondered why they cast that woman or that guy? Well, here's our chance to give it a try for repodcasting. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Repodcasting. I'm Lucia. And I'm Janet. How are you doing, Janet?
1: Good. How are you?
0: Good. I'm a little concerned for this month, but uh let's let's jump right in and figure it out. <laughs> um so this month we're recasting the 2004 movie Garden State. I picked this. I picked it because I always loved this movie. But I didn't love Zach Braff and even Natalie Portman like I've kind of flip-flopped, gone hot and cold on her kind of thing. And so I was the right age when I saw this movie, let's say. Yeah. So I feel like I'd love it even more if we got rid of those two leads and replaced them with people who are better. <laughs> but yeah, like I watched this movie a ton. But the funny thing is, is that I watched it a ton in 2005, 6, 7, maybe even 8. And then I didn't watch it for like many years. And then I watched it again like a year and a half ago. And I was like, oh, OK, I like it less. And then I watched it again for this recasting, and I was like, okay, I like it less. (laughs) So if I keep watching it, it's going to eventually be one of my most hated movies, maybe.
1: (laughs) Oh, maybe, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I can't believe this movie is, well, actually, I can believe it's 18 years old. Right. It feels 18 years old. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Did you see this movie when it was new?
1: I did. I actually, when this movie was released in theaters, I did go and watch it. Yes. Yeah, nice.
0: Okay. Well, how did it do at the box office? It's a little indie thing. I wonder if it did well.
1: Yeah. So the budget was $2.5 million and uh, it did $35.8 at the box office. So it definitely was a commercial success. Mm-hmm.
0: That's really interesting because then I remember, I should have looked into this a little more before recording, but about 10 years after this, uh, Zach Braff wanted to make, let's call it a spiritual sequel. It it wasn't exactly the same characters, but he had to do like a GoFundMe type of thing for that. He couldn't raise the money for it. Maybe too many years had passed. And then like that was plagued with issues, issues all stemming from what I can tell, like from – Zach Braff and his team kind of thing, because none of the people who funded the movie were getting the perks that were promised to them. And I remember it being a really big deal. And like, you know, he was really entitled about it, not caring at all that all these people were like, hey, like, we gave you this money that you asked for, so you could do your special project, and you promised all this stuff. And now we're not getting it. And he was just kind of like, well, whatever, like, it's good enough that you gave me money. I don't know. He was just such a dick about it. (laughs) And he's continued to show that he's like a real jerk. And I think he, this is just my armchair psychiatrist assessment, which I have no training in whatsoever. He became really famous from Scrubs at an age where like, I think it just kind of implanted in him that he's amazing when he's really Not. Right. So, anyway, yeah. The synopsis of this movie is, a quietly troubled young man returns home for his mother's funeral after being estranged from his family for a decade. And it's very much about, I don't know, how people are kind of over-medicated in the States and, you know, kind of, you're taught not to feel. And if, if it's painful, it's better to not feel anything. And, you know, he comes back home to the for this funeral and he stops taking all this medication that his father's had him on for a decade and you know he starts to feel
1: <laughs> yep so but didn't you find like that scene where he's standing in front of the medicine cabinet like that scene well first of all I should say that 40% of this movie is basically just close-ups of Zach Braff's face. Did you notice that? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's a bit much.
1: He's obviously an extreme narcissist. If he thinks that he should have that many close-ups of his face in a movie, like, I didn't understand that. Why are there so many close-ups of his face doing nothing?
0: And, you know, when you're the writer and director... And you put that many close-ups of your face in it. Like, that's absolutely narcissism. Because it's not like someone else chose to put all those close-ups of his face. Yeah,
1: like, it's just, there's this whole reek of, like, it's just so self-aggrandizing. This entire film, it's really difficult to stomach
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. And, you know, when you really stop to think about it and you think about the characters and stuff, I don't really get why Natalie Portman's character would even be interested in this guy. Like, he's very dull and doesn't have much to offer from what it seems like.
1: Well, all the characters are very underdeveloped. I mean, Zach Braff wrote this. Mm -hmm. He wrote it and he directed it. But, like, they're all... All the characters are underdeveloped.
0: Yeah, that's fair.
1: I felt like that was basically, like, 40% of the movie was close-ups of him just looking at himself. And he's not even, like, doing anything. Like, that scene where he is looking into the medicine cabinet, he would be dead if he took that many prescription pills like obviously there's you know exaggeration there for cinematic effect but it just makes him look like he's a pill bottle hoarder (laughs) not that he takes that many pills it just makes him look like he keeps all his pill bottles after (laughs) he's finished them
0: yeah it was definitely extreme
1: Yeah, it's like, there's no way anyone could take that much prescription medication and be alive. Right.
0: I feel like humor changes every, I don't know, 15 years or so. Like there are certain things that I remember um, in the 90s, really liking Empire Records and Can't Hardly Wait and like all these like, you know, teen movies or whatever. And then watching them 10 years later and being like oh this stinks and then watching them another 10 years later and being like oh okay it's good again (laughs) so it just kind of feels like there's these like ebbs and flows of the way that humor goes and watching this last night i was like oh man there's so much stuff here that you can tell he thinks he's being so witty and clever and funny and it just isn't funny anymore
1: well i mean it's written by like I don't know how old he was when he wrote it. I mean the movie, I think he was 26 when the movie was made but he started writing it before that. Mm. So I mean it's a movie written by a young man, like someone in his early 20s. Right. This movie was written probably over 20 years ago by now, right? So yeah. I don't know, like there's, there, there's that lack of maturity I guess. That really shows in the work, I Mm -hmm. think, and perhaps hasn't aged very well.
0: Yeah, and I also personally found a lack of maturity in the filmmaking itself, too. Like, I don't know, there were a lot of shots where I was like, again, oh, you can tell he thinks he's being really clever. (laughs) And it feels very immature- as like a filmmaker.
1: Yeah. It you know, it's it felt like he was really trying to be like the millennial Woody Allen. Ugh. And I think that watching it in 2022, like that's problematic on a lot of levels. Yeah. Zach Braff even says that Woody Allen is is one of his um I don't know, like he obviously very much admires Woody Allen and admires his work. And I think that uh, that really comes through in what's going on in the movie. It was like he was trying to be the millennial Woody Allen. I really felt that while I was watching it.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yuck, I did not know that, but unfortunately it makes perfect sense. Anywho, why don't we uh, take our first ad break and then we will move on to our recasting. This episode of Repodcasting is brought to you by Alberta Blue Cross. Even if you're a busy business owner with more meetings than hours in a day, you are calm and collected when your group benefit plan is taken care of by Alberta Blue Cross. Your employees can manage their own health, dental, life, and disability coverage online, anytime, on any device, making it easier for them and for you. To learn more and explore your options, head to ab.bluecross.ca. And now back to the show. Okay, Janet. I mean, I did pick this movie, so if you like, I can go first with my recasting. Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, So I'll start with the Zach Braff character because I want to get him out of there as fast as possible. The character is called Andrew Largeman. So his working title for a long time was Larges Arc because everybody calls him Large in the movie because of his last name. And apparently he was like running this title by lots of people and everybody was like, no, that's a terrible title. It's a terrible title. And he really pushed on and pushed on for a long time and was trying to get it to be Large's arc, which like, thank goodness they changed it. It was so stupid. Anyway, so I'm sitting here, I'm bashing this a lot, but I should say I did still have a decent time watching the movie. It gets a lot of nostalgia points for me. Uh, from me, I should say, and even though I recognize that it's extremely flawed, I still have this affection for it that, you know, I can't get rid of, but that's all right.
1: (laughs) Why did you have affection for this movie?
0: So, like, I was in my mid-twenties when I saw this. I had just returned to Oshawa after finishing school in Windsor, and I had, like, a short stint before moving away. So, there was, like, I think a part of it where I just kind of related to this character who was, like, coming home and and seeing the people who never left kind of thing. I don't know. There were just parts that I related to. And it was different at the time, like, in, in a good way. I did find it funny back in 2005 when I saw it. And... I don't know. The music. Honestly, like, unfortunately, I'm a sucker for like a good soundtrack and like music well placed throughout a film. And that's one thing that I think I still think the movie does quite well. So, yeah, that sucks me in pretty easily. Okay. Yeah. But so the Zach Braff character um, of Andrew Largeman, he's very dull. I don't think Zach Braff is an especially gifted actor. I did always think he was funny in Scrubs, even though I don't like him but like even though i don't like him i I thought he was good in scrubs but in this i really feel like if you put somebody just with like quite frankly i'm just gonna put it bluntly if you put somebody with more talent into that role i think that they could make the character less obnoxious and breathe a bit of life into it in a way that makes me want to actually root for him which i was not doing during this most recent viewing. And so I wanted somebody who can be very charming, can be funny, and can play drama as well. And so my first choice, he's a little too old, but I think nobody will have a problem with it because he looks the same as he did for many, 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 many years. And that is Paul Rudd. (laughs) Because, you know, Paul Rudd can sell anything like that charm that he has to me that would shine through. And that would also make me buy the fact that the female character, Sam, would want to be with him. So while he is a little too – like, he would have been a little too old for that role at the time. He would have been 35 then when it came out. That's around the same time that he was in The 40-Year-Old Virgin and Anchorman and Friends. And so, like, if you think of, you know, what he looked like then, I feel like he could still sell it. So, yeah, he's my first choice. And then my second choice is Adrian Brody, who I think could do the, like – the very detached, emotionless aspect of the character that he is for quite a chunk of the film. Um, I think he could do that very well. And then I also think that he could properly show this character who is, you know, as the medication is leaving his body kind of thing, um, starting to feel more and starting to like, just have more emotions. So I think Adrian Brody could have played that quite well. Okay. Um, Okay. So then for the Sam character, uh, Natalie Portman, I didn't – okay, this is just kind of going a little bit into you saying how, like, all of the characters were one-dimensional?
1: No, I said – sorry, I didn't say they were one-dimensional. I said they were underdeveloped. Sorry.
0: Yes, that's right. So – Sam does not have a last name. She's like one of the most important characters in the movie. I thought that was kind of weird, but anyway, that's just a little thing. Um so yeah, Natalie Portman, this role is kind of one of those prototypical manic pixie dream girls. I think this one and then the Kirsten Dunst in Elizabeth Town. Those two were kind of like the defining roles of manic pixie dream girl which got really Annoying really quickly, grueled fast. But I did want someone who, like, the character is supposed to be sort of innocent. Like, she's, or at least she seems that way. She's sweet, but she has this weird streak where, you're like, she lies a lot. Her antics are supposed to be charming. So, my first thought was of Heather Graham. I really like Heather Graham. I think that she is – she was on Scrubs at this time, actually, in 2004 and 5. She had, like, a handful of episodes of Scrubs. And she's so charming on that show. I just want to be around her. I just want to be her friend. I want to be near her. Like, she's just, to me, somebody who, like – she's like a magnet. (laughs) Uh, And so I I thought that she'd be really fun in this role, and and she could have brought – Still a level of, like, you know, cutesy and whimsical, but brought that down to
1: earth a little bit. Okay.
0: Yeah. So she was also a little too old for the role, but she's also someone who, to me, has always looked quite young. So I don't think that would have been an issue there.
1: Yeah. For sure. Okay. So I recast Andrew Largeman, who is played by Zach Braff. I cast Luke Wilson, oh, because basically what Zach Braff did, I think Luke Wilson could have done as well. Mm-hmm. The thing is, Zach Braff wrote this movie, so really, I feel that even if you recast these roles, there's still the problem of the script. Okay, for me, is like the biggest problem in the movie so you can recast the roles, but i think the script is really problematic i think there's a lot of things wrong you know there's a lot of things that are really dated you know they use a lot of terminology in the movie that's like not correct they use the r word a lot i had a major major problem with that, watching it. A lot. In 2022, I really had a very hard time. That was a huge obstacle for me. Because I think that even in 2004, like, was it necessary to use that word as much as they did like they're using it for humorous effect but it's not I'm not so sure that it was hilarious in 2004 either it wasn't so like there's just a lot of really problematic elements to this movie I even recasting these roles like I said I mean Luke Wilson basically could have done what Zach Braff did I think Luke Wilson's sort of good at You know, that sort of monotone voice playing really bland sort of characters. You know, this character is on like so many prescription drugs because we see like this massive medicine chest full of bottles that. It's amazing that he can even move. It's like he's a robot, basically. So, I don't know. I feel like Luke Wilson could have played that as well. Mm -hmm. The Samantha character, again, I have real, I find it very insulting the way that character is written. Mm -hmm. I found the way Zach Braff has written that character, it's very difficult to digest. Mm Mm-hmm. I just, I don't like the way she's written. I think it's insulting to women, the way that character is written. And I don't know, like Natalie Portman, she was definitely part of the zeitgeist in 2004. Absolutely. She was a huge draw. She was definitely part of the, the box office draw for sure.
0: Yeah, I wonder if they're friends, like how did she end up in this movie and how much was she paid? Because you're right, she was a big draw at that time and I'm willing to bet she was underpaid.
1: Well, it's an independent movie, so there wasn't a lot of money to go around anyway. I don't know. I really don't care for this movie at all. So anyway, I cast Anna Ferris as Samantha like she totally could have done what Natalie Portman did and she probably could have done it better actually. I think Anna Ferris maybe would have been a bit funnier. Like Natalie Portman is supposed to be like quirky, funny, and I didn't find that she was. I found that there was nothing humorous about her performance, but also I just didn't find the character humorous. I didn't find the way it was written humorous. It just felt really misogynistic almost you know she's also she looks very young she looks like a child
0: yeah i don't know what that was about
1: so the undertone there i didn't care for the undertone of that either i almost felt like it was a bit lecherous and creepy in a sense mm-hmm. but again i think anna Ferris is definitely i think she's better at comedy I think she could have played quirky in maybe she would have injected some humor into it. And we've seen her like, that's often who she plays in movies like that bumbling sort of character, like she's good at physical comedy, for sure. And I could see her and Luke Wilson together, they were actually I you know what I watched a movie I kind of cheated because I watched a movie the other night called My Super Ex-Girlfriend. From, like, I don't know, I think it was like in 2004, 2005. And they were like love interests in the movie and they really had a lot of chemistry. So I think that's why I was just like, yeah, why not? I'll put them in this movie too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Anna Ferris is such good casting. Oh, like, no, she's such good casting because I do feel like. I like, I don't know her personally, of course, but from what I've seen her in interviews and things like that, I feel like she kind of is like that in real life.
1: No? Oh, I totally. When I was watching this, I was like, why wasn't Anna Ferris cast in this movie? She would have been perfect as Samantha. Yeah. That's
0: great. Yeah, I like that a lot. Okay, awesome. Well, I love finding, you know, alternate castings and things like that, but because this was very much, you know, Zach Braff wrote, directed, starred, there was likely never any other option for that role. So there's no alternate casting there. One thing I did find interesting is that I guess Zach Braff's mother is a psychologist, his stepfather is also a psychologist, and his stepmother is a therapist. And so he kind of drew on knowledge from them to give some of the scenes involving mentions of psychiatrics and pharmaceuticals um, authenticity. So I mean, that's good, I guess. And then just a funny little story. There's a scene in the movie where it's early on and Zach Braff gets out of his car and the gas pump, like the the actual part that goes into the car, is sitting in his car. And it's like he drove away and the hose detached. And I remember looking at that thinking, I don't think that could actually happen. Like, that's so ridiculous. And so did the director of photography, Lawrence... Sure, I believe is his last name. He said, has anyone actually done this? That's so unrealistic. And then three
1: weeks later, he did it. (laughs) But like, even that, that was supposed to be funny. Yeah. But it's not.
0: No, it's not. I don't
1: know. Was that funny in 2004? The weird thing is, is
0: like, it's more sad than funny in what it's implying. But it is played for comedy but yeah
1: it's not of comedy. course I get it I'm not an idiot like I get that it's played for I get that all these things are played for comedy but what I'm saying is like was it funny then like I don't remember if I laughed at that like I don't know I know it's supposed to be funny and I'm sure that there are people who find that hilarious but I just don't I don't know like I just don't get the humor and I think it's because I'm 18 years older and I just don't think that that is funny maybe when I was 30 I thought a gag like that was like the funniest thing but 18 years later like I just don't get the humor so My question is, is this a movie that only young people will find funny? Like, I wonder if a young person watching this movie today, if they would find those gags funny, or if they would just be like, this is a fucking dad joke that makes no sense, right? Like, I know today's generation would be horribly, horribly offended by, like, A lot of the language that is used and even the way Natalie Portman's character is portrayed. Yeah. I think a lot of like young women today would watch that and just be like absolutely repelled by the way that character is written. Like I certainly am. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder why we didn't question that like in. 2004 why weren't we questioning the way her character was written why were we accepting that as it being okay like I feel like we were socially conditioned to accept certain things that 18 years later are absolutely offensive yeah yeah absolutely I mean
0: that's exactly the answer is that's why we were accepting it because we were socially conditioned to because most movies you watched were centered around a male character and any females in the movie were just there in service of the male character. I mean that doesn't make it okay, but it was certainly much more common. It's still common now unfortunately. It's just gotten slightly
1: better. Yeah. Well, I think things are I think things are changing. I think things are changing. And um, yeah, I just, you know, it's funny because it's interesting. You know, Zach Braff is certainly not popular anymore. And this movie is not necessarily viewed in a positive way anymore the way it was 18 years ago. Like the way it was showered with accolades 18 years ago. I don't think it necessarily holds up It's not iconic. That's for sure. Right. It's not like a movie that you go, Oh, that's an iconic movie. But it's interesting today, like present day, he really gets very upset when he receives any sort of criticism nowadays. Like in the last couple of years, he's received criticism for different things. I mean, you know, a lot of it is his personal life as well, which we will not delve into, but even for his work, you know he definitely doesn't receive like that sort of affection that he did you know 18 years ago and it's interesting to see his reaction like he gets very hostile about it and he gets really upset you can see that he's very thin skinned yeah he's someone who and i mean it's obvious after watching this like he's somebody who has like a massive massive ego I mean anyone that puts their face in that many (laughs) close-ups really has a a problem like with his ego right holy shit right but I mean yeah so I understand I think I understand him a little bit better now when he gets so upset when any sort of any little bit of criticism is lobbed his way I absolutely like understand why he like freaks out because it's like no one's kissing his ass anymore and telling him that he's wonderful. Yeah. Nobody wants close-ups of, of his face anymore.
0: <laughs> I mean, I'm sure he still does.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nobody fucking cares anymore. And like that's gotta be really that's gotta be a hard pill to swallow. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's really I don't know. It's got to be really difficult for him not to to like be popular and well loved anymore. He must really hate it.
0: Well, pardon me if I don't uh feel any sympathy for him.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the fact that he's not popular anymore, that he hasn't really done anything noteworthy, he was a flash in the pan, I think, with this. Like, the moment was right. He had the Miramax pipe machine backing him, right? Because Miramax was was one of the, the producers on this movie. I'm sure Harvey Weinstein, when he saw like that, I'm, I would bet when Harvey Weinstein sat down to watch this movie and he saw Natalie Portman's character like that whole role of Sam he must have been salivating you know what I mean he just must have been yes like I love this movie here's all the money that you want Zach Braff like (laughs) just see him purving out over the role of Samantha yeah I'm sure there's just so much wrong with this movie it's staggering to me yeah
0: well it is interesting that like you mentioned the age difference and how like you know because Natalie Portman was 23 I think yeah she was pretty young 23 when this movie was released and Zach Braff was 29 so it's not like a massive age difference but enough in your 20s that it's noticeable
1: yeah, but it's not the age difference. It's how she looks. Yeah, yeah. And also how she's made to look. Mm-hmm. Because they make her look even younger than she actually is. And I don't know if that's been done on purpose or not. Because when you're watching it, like she looks like she could easily pass for like a 14 or a 15 year old. And I don't know if she's supposed to look that age and if they tried to make her look even younger again, I find that very problematic. Mm -hmm. I think there's something wrong with that sort of train of thought with trying to make her look underage almost yeah I have a real problem with that. yeah yeah I have a, a major problem with that
0: mm-hmm. yeah it's it's really upsetting and that was one thing that struck me this time that hadn't in the past was just how young she looked but it is interesting watching through 2022 eyes knowing that like Zach Braff is also now with someone way way younger than him which like
1: Yeah, but again, like, you know, that's his personal life. Like, there's no, you know, I mean, that's his business, right? That has nothing to do with the movie.
0: Well, okay. I mean, I think it does have something to do with the movie a little bit because he wrote it and like, you know, a lot of it is autobiographical. So I I think it's like a look into his psyche, but... That's fine. We don't have to talk about that. The ratings for this movie, on IMDb, it only has a 67% from 37 critics, which that's fine. It's where it should be, but I do remember it being more well-received. But on Rotten Tomatoes, it has an 86% from 192 reviewers. So that was more where, like, I kind of remember it being at the time. right. But, yeah, so why don't we take our second ad break and then come back for our favorite segment? With Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a Pod Power shout out to High Level Hip Hop. CJSR presents High Level Hip Hop, it's a deep dive into Edmonton's hip hop scene and the artists helping shape it. The show takes a unique approach to introducing listeners to the OGs and youngbloods of Edmonton's hip-hop scene. The show is aimed at those who love local music, but might not have had a chance to fall in love with the city's surprisingly diverse hip-hop scene. Each episode features an interview with a local artist, plus a fresh track they recorded at CJSR. Check out episodes with Arlo Maverick, Please Be Nice, and more throughout the season. High Level Hip Hop is produced by CJSR, Edmonton's campus and community radio station. Download it wherever you find podcasts and at highlevelhiphop.transistor.fm. And now back to the show. Okay, and now it is time for our final segment. It's time for Hold Me Close, Young Tony Danza, the segment where we cast Tony Danza into one of the roles in this movie. So for me, I found it pretty easy. Maybe I picked a like too obvious one, but I cast Tony Danza as Dr. Cohen as played by Ron Liebman. So he is the doctor that Andrew Largeman goes to see when he's having his headaches. And I find that doctor so like folksy and down to earth and like you know he's smart and logical and I just really liked that guy. I liked that character and I'd love to see Tony in that role.
1: (laughs) So I cast Tony in like a really weird role and I'm not even sure it was age appropriate. But I don't care because nothing in this movie makes sense to me. So like why should this so I cast Tony as Gene Gene Smart is in this. <laughs> okay. No, I didn't sorry, 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 sorry. I didn't cast him as Gene. <laughs> okay. I didn't cast him as Gene Smart. <laughs> no, no, that's not what i I should mention that you know Jean Smart for anyone who hasn't watched this Jean Smart is in this movie and I think she's like the best thing in this movie really I love Jean Smart and I think that was like the only brilliant move that Zach Braff made was casting Jean Smart in his movie because she's like perfect she's brilliant I love the character that she plays like she's she's the MVP as far as I'm concerned of this movie Mm -hmm. So Gene Smart plays Andrew's friend's mother who it's Peter Sarsgaard, but I forget what his character's name is in the film.
0: I want to say Mark.
1: Yeah, maybe it was Mark. Anyway. So there's one scene where they're all at the table in the morning. They're having breakfast and Sheldon Cooper <laughs> from... The Big Bang Theory is in this movie. And like, I, how unoriginal. He's he's Sheldon Cooper yeah. in this movie. because Even speaking
0: Klingon. But this movie was before Big Bang Theory, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, I know. I know. Oh. But like, <laughs> he was born to play Sheldon Cooper. <laughs> so anyway, I cast Tony as the guy in the, the suit of armor as like Gene Smart's lover <laughs> okay yeah except like he wouldn't be like her young lover he would be like her own age lover because mm-hmm. <laughs> they're probably about the same age gene smart and tony danza i think, so. think they i think they're close in age anyway mm-hmm. so he would be her lover so he would be older than sheldon cooper
0: yeah
1: i forget his name what is his name in real life
0: jim parsons
1: Jim Parsons that's it so I cast him in that role and like I just wanted to see Tony in a suit of armor <laughs> yeah and I think he would have actually he would have infused that character with humor and like a sense of like Jim Parsons wasn't funny even though I get it it's supposed to be funny ha. I know. It's supposed to be hilarious. I'm the old person shaking my fist at the sky who doesn't get this humor anymore. I don't know. I don't care. Maybe I am. Anyway, that's who I cast Tony as.
0: Yeah, I love that. I, I came close. He was that my second choice. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I did think for a second that you were doing like a little role reversal and you were casting him <laughs> as the Gene Smart character. Oh, that's great. (laughs) Okay. Well, Janet, I'll say this. I'm sorry for making you watch this movie again.
1: Yeah, but the thing is, like, I've already, I had already seen this movie. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, really, I think it was a good exercise to watch it because it really gave me a chance to sort of step back and self examine why. I liked this movie in 2004. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it wasn't it wasn't like a useless exercise. Okay, I'm glad to hear it.
0: I do think that, yeah, this script needs some rewrites, but I also think that we did at least improve it a little bit with our casting.
1: <laughs> if you say so.
0: <laughs> oh boy. Okay. Uh, well, on to next month. Our movie next month. Oh, it's October, which means it's our So Bad It's Scary month. Um, And so we're recasting the movie Outcast starring Nicolas Cage and Hayden Christensen. And we're going to have a very special guest uh, on that episode as well. So tune in for that. Watch the movie. I think it was on Netflix, so easy enough to access and watch it recast along with us. Oh, and if you want to email us movie suggestions, complaints about the movies we pick, anything like that, you can do that at repodcasting at gmail.com. And you can find us on all the social media outlets at repodcasting. So, Janet, thank you, as always, for joining me. Thanks. Bye. Bye.